Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spech. Hey, hello. What's happening, buddy? Not much, man. It's all good. Nothing much? Well, you know, same old, same old. There's... Work. Always the same turmoil. Work. Home. Got a camping trip coming up soon. You do? Hoping for good weather. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. And long-term forecast. Can't rely on long-term forecasts, I know. And uh, Mike Burns reminded me, hey, don't look until three days out. It's like, yep. well, you know... I need to get an idea of it. Yeah, so. I, I never checked till about a week before. Mm-hmm. You got two weeks away, so. Yeah, so we'll see. Fingers crossed. Yeah, you know what? You don't mind going if it's raining, but this time of year when it's, it's getting cold colder and, and who wants to sit under a tarp yeah. for four days? Yeah. Hey, great time, guys. We uh, sat under a tarp. <laughs> for four days. We paddled in the rain. Yeah. We sat <laughs> under a tarp for four days. We paddled out in the rain. <laughs> But, you know, if, if if it did rain a lot, and I did go anyways, I could just sleep. I would get caught up, so caught up on sleep. I'd sleep like 28 hours a day. That'd be great. That's how much sleep you would get. Yeah. 28 hours. <laughs> just to fit in all the extra little... Yeah, every little bit. Little bit. But then again, if I sleep too much, even on a comfortable bed, which the ground is not a comfortable bed, my back gets sore. So then I'd, so then you're, you're like, well, I can't sleep anymore because my back is sore. And then you get up and you're you're tired because your back is sore. And then you want to take a nap, but it's, it's this it's this spiral, <laughs> death spiral. <laughs> Derek Specht, raging old man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Derek? I don't know. He wandered in the bush that way. And he was raging at everything. <laughs> yep, that's me. I rage. He at was raging and ranting and spouting off. And yeah, yeah I had no idea. Something about not enough sleep, too yeah. much sleep, sore back, got to walk. Yeah. Generally unhappy. <laughs> I've got a word for you. What's the word? It's a sciencey word. Uh oh. Onomatopoeia. No, not that one. But I like that one. That's what reverse and forward is the word means the same. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Something yeah. like that. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> this one here is Micromorts. Oh, Micromorts. That's <laughs> the guy I know. A little Jewish <laughs> fella named Morty. But he's small. <laughs> <laughs> so Stanford professor Ronald Howard, not Ron Howard, the, the director, but yeah, happy Ron, days. Ronald Howard, he's a, uh, he's a Stanford professor in 1980. He, uh, so this, he kind of, this is Derek's science corner. We do science and math. Welcome to science club. <laughs> so micromorts is based on, uh, statistics and, and, you know, odds of probability. Anyway, so a micromort, it's micro and mortality. It's a unit of risk defined as one in a million chance of death. Micromorts can be used to measure risk, riskiness of various day to day activities. A micro probability is a one in a million chance of some event, thus a micromort is the micro-probability of death. The micromort concept was introduced by Ronald Howard, who pioneered the modern practice of decision analysis. So we're always doing risky stuff, whether it be camping, whitewater, you know, there's there's risk inherent in everything. So the, so whatever you do, there's always a chance it's going to kill you, right? It's like, oh, you know, it's like, a, oh, woke up and I fell out of bed. Well, there's a statistic for that. Yeah. On average, 96 people every year die from falling out of bed. So they have a risk probability, a micromort, for sleeping. If you sleep, every 207 sleeps, 
it's one micromort because it uh, all that risk the 98 96 people dying a year turns out to be a one micromort if you sleep 207 days after the 207th day that's one micromort and so it, it you know everything is inherent risk right so so if you die before 207 days it's all probability though that like you didn't even last a micromort dude no. No, exactly. <laughs> this guy I know, I ah, didn't even last a micromort. <laughs> exactly. So they, they uh, so scientists came up with this uh, one in a million probability, and uh, so even just being alive is one micromort a day for twenty year old people in our age range. I'm sure it's like three micromorts every day because there's more odds that we'll die. Right. So statistically speaking, if you go canoeing. There's a one in a million chance of dying for every six minutes spent in a canoe. Really? Yeah. Canoeing every six minutes is one micromort. So comparing the numbers. So for six minutes of canoeing is equivalent to spending an hour in a coal mine or taking one ecstasy pill or falling out of bed. So, and, and they break down some of the numbers. I didn't, I only wrote a few of them because there's hundreds of analyzed situations. So for example, a successful trip up Mount Everest is 3,007, no, 37,932 micromorts. Very risky endeavor. So you're making you're making choices every day that increase statistically your odds of dying, right? This is a fun conversation, isn't it? Oh, hang on a second. <laughs> so what you're saying is because I just had my birthday. Yeah. And I just did the math here on my handy dandy phone calculator. I've survived 95 micromorts. <laughs> Yay me! Five more micromorts. So it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a unit of measure. It's not a unit of time, though. <laughs> I'll use it however I want. Thank you very much. So base jumping, 430 micromorts. Skydiving, 17. Running a marathon, 7. Scuba diving, uh, in every single day scuba diving is 5 micromorts. Canoeing is 1 micromort for every 6 minutes of paddling. Just being alive at the age of 20 is one micromort. And uh, like I said, the ecstasy and sleep, you know, 207 nights sleep, one micromort. You, if you fall out of bed, right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I just How thought. Is what walking? Uh, so they do have walking. I can't remember See, what that the. that have to be different though. That, that, that couldn't be the same. It's based on having an accident or getting run over by a car or a bus. Because walking micromort in a city versus walking exactly. micromort so, through and, the and farmer's they, field. And they break that down. So they had one I saw was, uh, it was 15 micromorts living in New York City and being a pedestrian in New York City. So it's That's very, it? it's very risky. I'd put it higher at 15. I think Ron Howard there is. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking up some happy days, if you ask me. Yes, I saw. I heard that. But anyways, it's, I just thought that was interesting because uh, somebody went to the trouble of uh, determining the risk of uh, paddling a canoe. <laughs> really? Yeah. So it's it's similar risk. So uh, canoeing, just being alive, taking ecstasy, 207 nights of sleep is six minutes of paddling. One micromort. So six, mili- six minutes of paddling is the same as taking ecstasy. Yes, because one in a million chance you'll die taking ecstasy for whatever reason. And one in a million chance you'll die paddling mm-hmm. for six minutes. Yeah. Now, so think about this, though. It's, all, it's a bit based on statistics. So it's also got to be where you're paddling. Six minutes of paddling. Yes, true. So white water would be much higher. Look at right? the guys like Dane Jackson and stuff that go oh, to those no. massive yeah. waterfalls. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm thinking they're above six minutes <laughs> or, or less than six yeah. minutes. But so com- look at it this way. So, it, but it's because of statistics, right? So, yeah. if you paddle for six minutes, it's one micromort. If you take one pill of ecstasy, it's one micromort. But it's a lot more than two micromorts if you paddle while taking ecstasy. <laughs> hmm. Right? And going over a waterfall. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. I'm thinking that's up in the yeah. double to triple digit so, range. Yeah, so it makes me wonder. So when Martin went over that waterfall, that day of paddling was more than one micromort. Yeah. The, the risk of dying going over a waterfall is, is pretty big. So uh, there'd be a high level of, like, but you'd have to look at statistics. How many people have died going over a waterfall? Well, oh, so he could have skewed by surviving. Yeah, he could have skewed the numbers. He skewed the numbers. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> So, yeah, so if it's here, mm-hmm. because he survived, it went to here. Yeah. But had he died, it would have went complete other way. Mm-hmm. So, so Martin l- has, a, has a say in <laughs> micromortism. So this, so this guy created this term in 1980. And I'm wondering, so 76, uh, Star Wars first came out. 77. C- 77. Yeah. So C-3PO is constantly... Pushing out statistics. Oh, if we do this, the odds of dying are right. Yeah. So I wonder if this guy was influenced by Star Wars I to come up with a Star Wars fan. <laughs> I like him already. What are they? <laughs> Never tell me the odds. <laughs> but you know, it's funny. Is uh, this is the first time in my life that I found statistics interesting? <laughs> Where was this in grade nine? <laughs> I know. Ooh, statistics can yeah, be really? fun. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> Micromort, eh? Yeah, Micromort. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> so I thought I'd share that. And that has been this week's episode of <laughs> Derek's Science Club. Yeah. So <laughs> when I was researching for one of my topics tonight, I just bumped across this. And See? it's like, it's like, what? How? <laughs> Google's funny sometimes. It's like, well, why is that one in, in my Google search? <laughs> and now you know yeah. how I end up with <laughs> go, go down the garden path. There's a yeah. rabbit hole. <laughs> okay, we're going to do paddling. Hey, look at this. What happens if you... <laughs> Statistics. <laughs> that happens, man. Google can be your friend. Yes. Your ecstasy-laden friend. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that, so that was interesting. Yeah, Micromort. Yeah. What was the word you taught me last week? It was somebody who uses too many big words. Big words in a, in a sentence oh, when they write. You're going to make me remember that one. <laughs> I was trying to come oh. up with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, because we were wondering somebody that's too wordy. Yeah, too wordy. And it was a big, it started with an S. Was it? Did it? Yeah. Can we Google it? <laughs> My phone, when I Google, always does. Weird things. I'm sure we'll come up with it. The people don't want to listen to Someone us Googling who stuff. uses big words. Because we couldn't even pronounce it hardly. No, I know. We had trouble. It was too big of a word. Oh, that is. Sesquipedalian. <laughs> Sesquipedalian. Sesquipedalian. And then, yeah, because they are sesquipedalianists. Yeah. yeah. Too many fancy words. Too many... Yeah, too many. Describe someone or something that overuses big words, like a philosophy professor or a chemistry textbook. Or a journalist. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> and that's where we started going yes. off on. Yeah, they're using some pretty big words here. We Well, when we read her article last week, we had to go to Google 
and what six or seven times it's like what word is that now i'm not a smart man but i know when people are using big words but yeah so it's like you, you don't often come across a single article in a paper where you have to google where it's yeah. like i haven't done that since i was a teenager oh where's that word does this paper come with a thesaurus <laughs> dictionary oh <laughs> uh, that's awesome man Mm-hmm. You're just full of good ideas this week. I know, and and it relates directly to canoeing. Yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> I couldn't find stats for for kayaking. They didn't break it I down think, into white water and flat water, and yeah, yeah. I think it'd all be the same. Well, no, there's higher risk. Well, it it's it's number for of the deaths. average person. Yes, for the average person. So yeah. it's um, you know people canoeing who overturn in a storm. You know we've t- just, we've talked about you know accidents and injuries and deaths while paddling and canoeing and kayaking and you know the, so the uh, I think the risk of harm is greater if you're doing the Colorado River as opposed to paddling in Algonquin Park. And yeah. So. But we, you know, we all make decisions every day that that uh, brings up our micromort number. Micromort, micromort. get that tattooed. <laughs> Micro, my micromort number <laughs> thirteen. Yeah, yeah, or something. It's increasing. It, it's going to be like your what's that um, credit score? Whatever they do. <laughs> Go to the website, yeah. get your credit get score. Get your credit score. Yeah, yeah. yeah. my micromort number. <laughs> what's your micromort exactly. number? Exactly. Right. Yeah. As you get older. The yeah. micromort number gets bigger. Well, speaking of older, on the weekend I saw something that reminded me of 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 something. <laughs> it's like I, I saw a meme or I saw somebody write something about age, and and uh, and I thought, oh, and then suddenly it like cold washed over. It was like oh, I'm turning fifty five next year. <laughs> And then I realized, hey, Shoppers Drug Mart gives seniors discounts at 55. Yeah. <laughs> when did 65 become a senior? <laughs> 55? What do you mean I get a discount 55? I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> How come car dealerships don't give seniors senior discounts? discounts? Or canoe, canoe and kayak stores. Right? Like, why can't I go to Novacraft or Swift and say, hey, here's my... Here's my I know. ID. My canoe will be back on the market in a very short time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get my discount. <laughs> what do shoppers give for a senior's discount? 10% or something? Uh, I don't know, 5 or 10% or something well, like 5 that. 5 or 10% yeah. off a new canoe is a big chunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any canoe companies that are out there listening, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm heading, uh, well, Trace and I are heading to Mew Lake this weekend to do some winter camping. Not quite winter camping yet. Cold camping. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you're not going to bring a stove. You're going to no, no. We're we're doing the hot tent. Okay, because uh, the the Halloween at Mew Lake, everybody gets together and gets their hot tents out and stuff. Oh, there's still people cold tenting and stuff. And uh, but this is the greatest time to to get up there. Uh, you get all your winter camping gear out. Mm-hmm. You set it all up. You put yep, it through yep. the paces for a few days. Make sure everything is good. Make sure everything's working properly because you don't want to be finding out your stove is no yeah. longer working <laughs> or you got a big rust hole through one of your pipes or yeah, something. exactly, right? Or, oh, look, that mouse. Look at that big hole he left. We got a skylight now. <laughs> yes. You don't want to be finding that out in January. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we, we always go up at Halloween and 
Yeah, you see people we haven't seen since last yeah. year, sort of. Yeah, thing. it's always fun. I, I, I've never gone up for Halloween, but I've seen people post about it. It looks like a fun time. You know what? They, I mean, it was it was down for a couple of years because of the pandemic and that, but they they brought it back last year, and there was no trick or treating or anything. But mm-hmm. you know, the kids go around in their costumes from sites. Yeah. And a lot of sites hand out candy and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, you know, um, but yeah, you know, it's a good time, and uh, I'm thinking of taking the canoe. Because oh. nothing's frozen yet, right? Yeah, exactly. Throw the old uh, mm-hmm. um, dry suit yep. in and give it a good run. Brilliant. Go out in a new lake, maybe. Just jump have, in with a dry suit. See yeah, how that well, works. Do that too. That'd be fun. The Western Uplands Backpacking Trail, you know where you park to go there and there's the river, the river, Oxton goes right under the yep, bridge? Yep, 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 yeah. Have you ever paddled that with a little bit of dusting of snow? Oh. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. So if it does snow... Mm-hmm. Well, we're up there. Yeah. Definitely going for for a paddle there. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, I'm thinking I, I'm going to bring the canoe and uh, give it a whirl. and Just avoid uh, waterfalls. Keep your micromort numbers Yeah, low. keep my micromort numbers. Well, you know, it'll go up a little bit because... <laughs> it's it's know, shoulder it's, season. It's, it's, it's always, it's getting full into the end of the shoulder season. Yeah. And um, and I saw over the last week or so, uh, when was it? It Was was it on the weekend? Anyways, Algonquin got snow. Last Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. last week they got uh, dusting of snow, but I, I think it's gone now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It didn't it, stick it around. Won't stay, but yeah. One year I was up there, it rained. One year I was up. The first year I took Tracy up for Halloween, mm-hmm. we got like three inches of snow. We woke <laughs> up in the morning, and yeah, everything was just coated, <laughs> and no one had been through anything yet, and it was just pristine. Oh wow! So it was beautiful out there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, we're gonna get that going and make sure all our gears. Ready to go for Full the beans. Yeah. Get the last, maybe the last paddle of the season. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? right to the end. Well, I'm thinking though, um, when it snows here, mm-hmm. I'm going to hit Duffins. Oh yeah. Even though the water's yeah. really, really low. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go for yeah. a little paddle and get some nice uh, shots. I wouldn't be able to join you. It's too cold. I don't have a dry suit. <sighs> I've been meaning to get well, mine. Well, mine's, oh no, mine's not that big. I say the two of us could fit in mine. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bigger boy, but I'm not that, that big. <laughs> Squeeze in here. Yeah. Squeeze in. Come on, little buddy. Come on, little buddy. <laughs> How'd you like to lose about 150 pounds, would you? Uh, yeah, they're they're uh, they're expensive, you know. It took me forever to to uh, to buy one, you mm-hmm. know, pull the trigger on it, but... Uh, other thing here, Bert Turhart, he's finished his cross Canada canoe trip. He started out, uh, April 1st, the mouth of the Fraser river in Vancouver. And he finished at the Shippigan lighthouse in New Brunswick, October 1st, six months. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good planning. I must say. Yeah. The one thing I will say is. He's, his, the purpose of his trip was to um, sort of follow the route of how the indigenous peoples okay. saw the land and stuff like that. Before, you know, he didn't follow any of the big routes that everybody follows yep. now sort mm-hmm. of thing. He also used an astrolab maps that he made himself oh. out of off the wow. topographical maps and mm-hmm. stuff like that. A compass. So there was no electronics nice. involved at all, which was pretty cool. Astrolab, that's like a sextant type thing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. 
So he wanted to do it just like the old mm-hmm. explorers navigate did. by the stars. Yeah. During the day, though, I'm not sure how. It well, I know. Uh, so uh, you'd have to have a known something to look at. But yeah, if it's cloud cover or it's cloudy at night or if it's too bright of a day, and you, you're not going to see stars. So you, yeah. but you take your 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 bearing at night, and then you choose. Okay, so two seventy degrees. That's the direction I'm going. Yada yada yada. And I you, figure I'm on a river. I'm going that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously, for the most part, you're following <laughs> the river. But what, what a sextant or astrolabe can do is it can give you your current location. Yeah. So he'll know where he is on that river. Yeah. So not necessarily finding your direction, but knowing where on the river you are. Yeah. So, yeah, he did that. Now, when we were talking about that the other mm-hmm. day, you came up with a really cool idea. Yes. Which I've labeled the Cross Canada Canoe <laughs> Pub Crawl. And you pointed out. Well, I noticed right away that, so the Cross Canada Pub Crawl, that's the CCCPC. Yeah. Oh, the CCCP. That's that's the old, the old Soviet that's Union. The old Soviet Union. <laughs> I never even noticed that. Yeah. So. <laughs> Russians would be on board If with we this. started, because I mean, Mike Rant has done the, the, what, three times across. Yeah. Um, Bert has now done it. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Wolf did it, didn't he? Frank Wolf. Frank Wolf. Yeah. Did he do it all the way? Um, so he got his first trip was disrupted because yeah. they got in a canyon, they wrecked, and yada yada yada. But didn't he? Remember he? Uh, I didn't think he made he... it to Ottawa one of the times. Yeah, he made it across because he was in Ottawa, and and the police told him not to sleep on Parliament's lawn. Well, I know they told Mike Rand to not to carry his canoe across. Yeah. But uh, was yeah, it... we'll have to check that out. Was it Frank Wolf that tried to sleep on the Parliament's lawn and and met up with... Uh, was it Trudeau? The father Trudeau? Pierre? Pierre. Remember the, oh. in, in a cafeteria in Parliament? Right. But Pierre was not in office at the time. He was working as a lawyer. He went to the lawyer's office, and then he went into the lawyer's cafeteria. Was that Frank Wolf, or was that somebody else? I've got two different people in my brain right now, because that sounds familiar for two different uh-huh. reasons. We'll have to Google that. Yeah. Anyways, that guy I, went across, whoever so, that guy was. So, we were thinking to do a pub crawl mm-hmm. over six months. <laughs> Start, like you say, out in Vancouver. Yeah. And you have to have one beer a day with the stipulation it has to be in a lo- local brew pub that serves beer from a local brewery. Yeah. Or if you are in an area that, you know, you're in the middle of nowhere, you have to plan for that and bring beer with you from a local area like local ish mm-hmm. and have one beer a day okay all the way across canada mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter what <laughs> time of day as long as during that day some point you have a beer a local ish beer so in honor of the cccp would the russian members of this team be having a vodka with a beer chaser. <laughs> Just a thought. Just a thought. You, got, I mean, yeah, you know. Uh, so if you do it in six months, that's like 180 beers. Mm-hmm. Yep. But <laughs> that sounds like a lot, but over six months? Yeah. One beer a day. Yeah. 
Then when you go to your doctor, so uh, do you when you drink? Do you have a beer a day? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as a matter of yes. fact, I do. <laughs> That's our. So we, I think when I retire, mm-hmm. we ought to do that because we're going to retire the same year. Across Canada pub crawl. Across Canada pub crawl. See the problem. Yeah, we retire at the same time, but that puts me at sixty-five. <laughs> and <laughs> so technically I can retire in 2027, but my youngest is uh, going to graduate from high school in 2032. I started way too late. <laughs> Mine are already graduated and we're the same age. <laughs> Apparently I started too early. <laughs> so yeah, keep that in your mind. And mm-hmm. you know what? We'll get a whole bunch of people to go. Yeah. And there's a convoy of 92 canoes going across Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to make a reservation at your pub. How many? Ninety-two. <laughs> we could uh, we could paddle to Banks Island and do the Thompson River on the way across. That's way up north. Though. I know, but we, we can make it happen. We can make it happen. <laughs> we can make it happen. <laughs> Side trip. We need a we need a sponsor that gets like billions <laughs> of dollars. I wonder if. Uh, yeah, like Apple or something. Is there a national brewer pub something? Like Labatt's? Molson? No, but somebody would have a pub. <laughs> a pub? No. Yeah, like uh, like uh, oh, like any major restaurant. They have them all across Canada. Just, they get them to sponsor like us. Like Jack Astor's? Yeah, like a Jack Astor's or something like that. Hmm. We're going to hit a jackass. Every jackasters we pass, <laughs> exactly. we're going to stop it. Jackasters can be our sponsor. See? <laughs> and, then, and then we'll have to find another sponsor when we get across Canada. <laughs> An AA sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, you don't like bourbon. You're not a bourbon fan. <laughs> I haven't had it often. I think it's, uh, you know, I remember when I first tried gin, it was like, oh, this is horrible. And I like gin drinks, gin and tonics. And I remember first time I tried Scotch, it was like horrible. Then I learned to drink it. It has its uh, characteristics that I like, but uh, I, I rarely ever try bourbon. You're a nice maker's mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a gin fan. Uh, we talked a few weeks ago about get ready because all the witches on paddle boards oh, yes, and everything yes, are going to be coming yes, around because yep. of Halloween, right? Yeah. Morro Bay, California. The ninth annual Morro Bay Witches Paddle drew the event's largest crowd ever. <laughs> so you're going to think, oh yeah, a bunch of people. Are Did you go see and pictures watch. of it? Yeah, oh, that yeah, was amazing. And it was like there's like your regular, typical evil witch. There was yeah. Glenda the Good Witch from the Wizard of okay, Oz. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> so you're thinking, oh yeah, okay, well you know maybe maybe 100 people, 150 people. That's cool. Thousands of spectators lined piers, decks, and the shore, cheering on an estimated four to five hundred participants That's paddling crazy. the waters of Morro Bay Harbor with kayaks, canoes, stand-up paddleboards. In spooky season tradition, paddlers launched from Coleman Beach and headed to Tidelands Park, dressed up as witches or warlocks. That was on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to imagine the parking nightmare. Oh, jeez, right? <laughs> hey, let's go check this out. Uh, and then you finally get a spot. And if you get a good spot, yeah. and once it's over, 
You're there for days waiting <laughs> to get out. to get out. Or if you don't know about it and you're going down for a early morning coffee or something, it's like, what's going on here? Oh, man. <laughs> it's not a, it's be, not a business day. It's oh, a I weekend. would not be happy. <laughs> yeah, I would not be happy. Yeah. Uh, each year in Morro Bay, Witches Paddle participants are asked to support a particular nonprofit organization. This year's recipient is the Friends of Morro Bay Harbor Department which raises funds for the Harbor Department for projects such as publishing tide books and refurbishing or purchasing Harbor Patrol vessels, safety equipment, lifeguard towers, beach wheelchairs, and rescue sleds. Cool. Uh, the Harbor Patrol provides assistance to boaters and responds to water emergencies, among a host of other duties. Did they say how much they raised? They did not. Hmm. But. Probably a lot. Thousands of people yeah. and yeah. four to five hundred, even if everybody gave a buck. Yeah. There's thousands of dollars. You know. There's a, there's a good chunk. Yeah. Uh, here's a scary coincidence. Uh-oh. We got, we got messaged by one of our listeners, Matt. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, he says he was driving a stretch of highway in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan listening to last week's episode uh, about where we talked about making sure your boats are secure when transporting them on your vehicle, right? Yeah. Hour after he drove that stretch, there's a Chevy pickup truck heading eastbound. A Honda car traveling westbound with a kayak on the roof. As they pass, the kayak and roof rack come loose and... So the whole roof rack. The whole roof rack. Hmm. Now, they didn't say what kind of roof rack, but I'm thinking it's one of those sort of... If it's a kayak, it's I just see them so often. I got these yeah. one of those J ones. Yeah. Right off the roof. Hmm. Roof rack pierced the windshield, struck the driver. Wow. Killing him. Other mm. passenger in the truck was not injured. Kayak struck a third vehicle, causing damage but no injuries. Uh, the driver of the car was was not injured. So I guess we need to add an amendment to last week's episode saying you need to make sure your roof racks are secure yeah. extremely well to the roof of your vehicle. Because some roof racks are just, you know, they you open your door and it clips onto the, the frame of the door inside yeah. and it just it just bolts in place. So if if you did a poor job mounting it, right? And and so or you, you leave it on all the time and it, yeah. it wiggles loose after yeah. a while with vibrations, right? And and where they could have avoided that is uh if they had used a bow and stern tie down. Yeah. Because then they I don't see that a lot. On kayaks, no, on they kayaks. just they tie it to the rack. They tie and that's it to it. those J racks. Mm-hmm. And, and like I say, I, I look for information. I could mm-hmm. not, we're, we're assuming a few things here and we'll yeah. out and out say that. Uh, I could not find any information on what kind of roof racks they were, were if they were aftermarket yeah. or what they are. But but from personal, I don't see a lot of people that use those J-racks using the bow and stern lines. Mm-hmm. They they strap it right to. Yeah, I don't recall. Yeah. We'll have to ask Alan what he does. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty scary coincidence. Mm-hmm. Driving and listening to our show yeah. on it, and then an hour later, thanks, boom. Matt, thanks, Matt Beerman. Thanks, Matt. Matt Beerman, Michigan. Um, a new coalition aiming to promote paddling across BC launched this month thanks to the efforts of a Castlegar paddling enthusiast. Andrea Ryman is a paddleboard instructor and co-owner of Endless Adventure, a local rafting and kayaking company in Castlegar, BC. She's also the marketing director for Destination Castlegar. She says, I love to paddle everything from lakes and rivers to the ocean, and when I travel, my paddleboard always goes with me. 
Having worked in tourism for the last 15 years, I noticed that fishing and biking have led the charge in BC for adventure tourism, which is true. Yeah. Even my brother, he says, oh, BC, we got to go out there, we got to go fishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. never anything, you know, rarely, I mean, unless you're big time into paddling. Yeah. You know, anybody, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going out there, we're going hiking, we're going fishing. With the wealth of waterways running through the province, creating Paddle BC seemed like the next step to highlight British Columbia's adventure program. Playground. Or, sorry, play, playground. Uh, Paddle BC is a non-profit cooperative marketing initiative between paddling associations and cross-sector organizations. Ryman says the organization has two primary goals. First, to promote British Columbia as a world-class paddling destination that offers some of the most varied and fun waterways on the planet. And I mean, if you go and start looking at Google Maps and just see what's there uh, water-wise, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Second is to endorse the safety of the sport with the help of local experts by guiding paddlers towards the people, businesses, and agencies that will ensure a paddling experience is memorable and safe. Oh, there you go. So if you go to their website, Mm -hmm. uh, paddlebc.ca, they have different regions. I think it's six different regions. Mm -hmm. And you can click on it, and a new page opens up. And it has all these different things to, to tell you where to go and if you want to rent something, if you okay. want a, a guided trip. So if I was going to paddle in, in the Kootenays, I could go there, look up Kootenay, and, uh, or like there's, well, you know. Yeah, just point and click yeah, on their just, little Yeah, you just tabs. click on the location. and Yeah, and oh. it'll, it'll come up with places that you can nice. uh, check it out. Kelowna, Kootenay. Mm-hmm. Revelstoke, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about later. Paddle yeah, BC Revelstoke, has, do they have water there? I'm, it's a ski area. Yeah, but there's water. I suppose. Uh-huh. Oh, there is. <laughs> uh, Paddle BC has an engaging website filled with trip ideas, recommended waterways, and information geared towards specific paddling activities such as rafting, kayaking, paddleboarding, canoeing, and kayak fishing. The Kootenay Rocky section of the website includes highlights from the Castlegar, Golden, and Fernie areas. The initiative is to is supported by Destination British Columbia, BC River Outfitters Association, Tourism Kamloops, Caribou Chilcotin Coast, Tourism Fernie, Fishing BC, Tourism Squamish, Indigenous Tourism BC, and Tourism Golden. Wow. So this is totally a tourist. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're really yeah. trying to get the people out there to, mm-hmm. to tour and, and, yeah, get on the water out there. a way. lot of money in tourism. Oh, huge. A lot of money. Huge. So, and, and this is where when industry leaves a town or when, when things change, it's like often they switch to some sort of tourism thing. So mm-hmm. it's like a mine closes down. Okay, well, I guess we're going to have mine tours. Yeah. And it brings in people and money to local places. So, you know, the, the sandwich shops are going to be selling stuff and the mine every is going to be helps. Make, yeah, everybody that a little bit helps. Tourism is, uh, is a big moneymaker. Billions, mm-hmm. billions a year. So if you want more information about Paddle BC, visit paddlebc.ca and check out their website. And maybe plan a trip to go to BC. I think Ariana and I are supposed to be heading out there in the spring to yeah. Vancouver to go. She, uh, she's going to go visit a friend out there. And mm-hmm. I've got a buddy I haven't seen since I was 15. Okay. And he's out there and he does kayaking and everything. So mm-hmm. if it all works out, yeah, yeah, I'll be heading to Vancouver in the mm-hmm. spring or early summer anyway. Cool. Um, here's a doozy. Nat Drummond, Any relation to Alan? years of age. I don't think so. <laughs> no, because Alan's Scottish, right? Oh, is he? Scottish background. I did not know that. 
Yeah, that's why he keeps going to Scotland. I thought he just likes to travel. No, no. no. Well, he does. He goes to Ireland. He goes to Is the, the Irish too? Does he go to Ireland? He went to I don't Greece. Know he, to... he went to Rome. Oh, no, that's that's vacation with the girlfriend. Oh, okay. But uh, no, no, he's he's got family and everything. <laughs> anyway, um, and I think he wears, he's got his own kilt and everything. Really? Yeah. Hmm. That's how into it he is. Wow. Mind you, if he goes to Italy, he might have his own toga too. So I don't know. <laughs> Knowing Alan, he does. Yeah, yeah. So Nat Drummond, uh, 19, was one of about 65 surf skiers racing more than nine miles in the Gulf St. Vincent along the coast near Adelaide, Australia. So, yeah, not close to where Drummond, yeah. you know, from where Alan's from. Drummond has scarcely made it 20 seconds into the race when a shark shot up from the depths and ripped off a chunk of his surf ski, upending the watercraft and tossing him into the water. Wow. Not even 20 seconds. <laughs> You're out. But, uh, my, uh, my ski just kind of lifted above the water and the next thing I knew I was in the air and then I was in the water and then this I saw this figure just fall back into the water it was a big shark wow relying on his training he ripped off the leg rope tying him to his surf ski and started swimming towards other competitors who having witnessed what happened raced to help they pulled him from the water, and then they transferred him to the rescue boat, which took him to shore. Uh, 20 seconds, at least 20 seconds in, everybody still clumped together, right? Yeah. As the official timer, Drummond's father, Murray, was watching the start of the race from shore, and he told reporters, it had barely started when I noticed a commotion out on the water and then paddlers shooting in different directions. Murray suspected a false start. <laughs> so being the timer, he reset everything, oh. not realizing what, because people on shore didn't really use. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Then he heard through the radio traffic that a surf skiers had encountered a shark. He said he still wasn't worried. He knew sharks roamed the waters. Sightings weren't unusual. Even when he learned that the shark in question had bitten one of the surf skis, thought it didn't sound too bad. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, he panicked only when he saw the massive hole in his son's watercraft, which, and he couldn't see the color of his life jacket as he looked out on the water. Mm -hmm. He said, my heart just sunk. Then he spotted his son on the rescue boat as it came to shore. The, may, the emotion drained out of me. You don't realize how much you absolutely love your kids until something like this happens. He says his son has been competing in water sports since he was six. He and the paddlers who pulled him out of the Gulf relied on years of training to prevent an unfortunate situation from tur turning into an unspeakable tragedy. They all banded together, he said. They didn't paddle away from him, and that's what you want from the surf life-saving community. Mm -hmm. There's a picture. Now, the surf ski, I mean, it's long and it's thin. Yeah. You know, yeah. and barely your, your, your butt is touching both sides, mm -hmm. right? There's no extra padding, no nothing. And it's sort of molded that it, it comes up to a seat. So okay. you're sitting on this thing and then your legs go down sort of thing and straight forward and, and off you go, you know, it's aerodynamic, I guess, and, and everything like that. So where 
the shark bit the hole was like right where his butt was. <laughs> and it's a massive hole. Wow. Like, I mean, it's it's side to side, yeah. gone. Hmm. Uh, the race, of course, was canceled. <laughs> Organizers are hoping they're going to reschedule. Officials collected a tooth and flesh from Drummond's surf ski, oh. not his, uh, and sent to be analyzed. Researchers hope to determine the species and size of the shark. They believe the shark might have been a great white, but are still awaiting confirmation. Hmm. Drummond told reporters he knows he's lucky. The shark bit a he- off a chunk of his search ski where his legs were. And race director Craig Burton said if it had struck from a different angle, it might have been a different story. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it came straight, straight up, up and bit. Yeah. But if it had come from the side and bit, mm-hmm. because they're not all that high. Yeah. You know, they're, like they're as high as they are wide sort of thing. If he would have bit that way, do would have lost yeah, a leg. exactly, right? Right? Huh. And probably would have pulled him in and under. Wow. Uh, Drummond called his brush with the shark an absolute freak accident, a one, one in a million, in a million thing. thing. I wonder what the micromore number was. I wonder right? at what point during this whole evolution did somebody step back and go, hmm, I need to calculate the micromort number. On- his micromort <laughs> has gone from <laughs> one to... Six hundred and fifty-three. <laughs> well, I in imagine, the first twenty seconds of that race. Imagine the presence of sharks would increase any micromort number. Okay, so we'll give it a five. <laughs> we'll give it a five because <laughs> they're in the area. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he says it probably won't happen again in my lifetime. As Australia's summer approaches, he said that he hopes news of what happened doesn't scare people away from getting onto the water and some, something he's enjoyed his entire life. Huh. Very Could cool. you imagine, though? He's lucky he lived. He's or not, not even injured. Yeah. Well, and that's what they were, they were talking in, in uh, another article. They were saying that, yeah, he'll be back on the water in yeah. a few days. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. But well, the odds are so slim. Set, of go. These. <gasps> <laughs> Bam! But the odds of something like this actually happening are pretty slim to nil, right? Yeah. Like, what is it? They say there's you have greater chance of being. Gored, uh, attacked by a bear, or falling out of a tree, or getting hit by lightning. So it's 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 not like a, a shark attacks are pretty rare. I probably have a better chance of being attacked by a bear than being bitten by a shark. I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> Last I checked, <laughs> out on Lake Ontario, I did not see. <laughs> well, now, so just we, a second. There have been reports over the last 100, 200 years of sharks in, in the, the St. Lawrence. Yes, in the Great Lakes. I yeah. thought, wasn't so there unless, a sighting in Lake Ontario? It died because of the fresh water, but... No, it couldn't get past Niagara Falls. You're think I'm talking Lake Ontario. That's St. Lawrence River and spillways. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. So you're talking no. getting into Lake Erie. I don't think there's, there's been one in... Go to the Google machine. <laughs> He's going to Google it. <laughs> uh, so we talked about <clears throat> canoeing and pub crawl. Yes. Uh, let's talk about canoeing and snowboarding. Oh. This is going to be our theme tonight, canoeing and doing something else. So there's a point between seasons where the water is open, but there's snow. It's just that golden period. Mm-hmm. 
where you got snow, but the water hasn't frozen yet. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful time of year to be paddling. Yeah. It's usually like the end of fall. I mean, we're getting to that area right now, right? But it's even more beautiful if you're in the mountains. Oh, yeah. While canoe tripping is a summer pursuit for most, there is no finer season for it than fall, especially where waterways get you to country you can't reach except by canoe. So it's natural to come off the water, look up at the snow on the mountains and think, what if you can combine summer and winter sports? (laughs) What if you loaded a hot tent into big green canoes... Escape the ordinary confines of why, Revelstoke. Why green canoes? I don't know. It's what, what they what if you wanted a red canoe? You can do a red canoe. Okay. A purple canoe. Just check it. Derek and his hot pink canoe. As long as it's not a white canoe, that could cause a problem in the snow. Ooh, yeah. Where's my canoe? Yeah, we couldn't find them. <laughs> uh, what if you paddled a route pioneered by Canada's greatest explorer... Pausing to shred virgin powder all day and into the night. Wow. What if you did it with three of your best friends and made an award-winning movie about the adventure? Huh. You, my friend, would be thinking like Nick Kitar. Self-described single father of a dog named Ernie. That's an awesome name for a dog. (laughs) Nick left his native Nova Scotia for Revelstoke years ago to snowboard as much as humanly possible, he is well-known instigator of hair-brained adventures. <laughs> hair-brained adventures. I like Nick. <laughs> he's known for hair-brained adventures. <laughs> I like instigating he, them. Yeah, he, he sounds fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's kind of only two people that I know of that I hang out with that would be dumb enough to do this with me, he says. You know, I sort of had that conversation about... Um, Canoe polling. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I throw it, how many dummies I've are going to follow d- me? I've got some dumb friends that will do this with me. <laughs> I like Nick. Uh, that would be Johan Rosen and Seb Grondin. Revy locals hailing from Sweden and Quebec, respectively. Johan en- enlisted British cameraman and part-time Revelstoke resident Ben Howells, and the team was complete. 2020, during the coldest January anyone remembers. <laughs> Good choice. Of course, that's when it's going to happen. The quartet paddled some 90 miles or 145 kilometers down the Columbia River to the Revelstoke Dam just north of town. Remember your comment earlier? There's no paddling in Revelstoke. <laughs> okay, there we go. Yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there is. There's a hydroelectric project. So I didn't know Re- yeah. Revelstoke was on the uh, Columbia River. Yeah. Uh, the 10-day trip followed a portion of David Thompson's 1811 route to the Pacific on unceded territory of the Sinai XT. XT? Snixed. It's Sinai XT First Nation. I watched it five, six dozen times trying to get the pronunciation. The team's 40-minute film about the journey without a paddle. Not to be confused with that Seth Green, Dax Shepard movie, Without a Paddle. Okay. Uh, combines plenty of shredding and winter camping hijinks with historical background and the cutting wisdom of the Sinai XT. Sinai XT. Sinai XT. Yeah. Matriarch Marilyn James. In 1956, in order to clear way for the spasm of dam building on both sides of the American border, the Canadian government declared their people extinct. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. 
That's like, and that's what I like about this is you learn things like this. Right? Yeah. They use the Indian Act to dismiss us as a people and eradicate us from the landscape by a falsely declared extinction of our people. So you're looking at an apparition here. <laughs> I'm not here right now. <laughs> yeah. This is a heavier fare than normal for snowboarding movie, but it works. Without a paddle, somehow melds nuanced history with the abject suffering of canoe in minus 30 weather oh. Celsius. Uh, and a hoot out loud joy of riding virgin powder through old growth forests. It's well worth a watch as you wait for the snow to fall. Huh. So you can find without a paddle on YouTube. It's just over 40 minutes long. Okay. Just go to YouTube and in the thingy type in without a paddle. You'll notice the difference between the two movies yeah. that show one's up. A, one's, one's a, a Hollywood thing. One is not. One is a documentary yeah. sort of. Uh, I Very watched, cool. I, I was watching most of it. I didn't get all the way through it, but there's definitely um, some misadventures on this. Okay. But basically what is they paddle, they set up camp in their hot, they got their hot tent going with the wood stove and all that sort of yeah. stuff. And then they'll snowshoe with their with their snowboards on their backs. They'll snowshoe up, and then snowboard down through the trees and mm-hmm. all that sort. Of. Yeah, really cool, really cool. So if you want to think about combining two different sports, a winter <laughs> and a summer. Well, you know, we always wanted to canoe down a hill, kayak, or kayak down yeah. a hill. And we had plans to kayak in the sand at dunes down in dunes, uh, Nevada. Yeah, not, uh, yeah in a, I don't know. Nevada. I don't know if I told you this, but when we did the, uh, maybe I did. And it was when we were at Sandbanks. We uh, we brought crazy carpets with us, <laughs> but it didn't work. The sand was too frictiony, so we kept throwing ourselves down the sit down the sand dunes with a with a. <laughs> Crazy maybe you carpet. just need to get really good wax on the bottom of that crazy carpet. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So pe- we stopped a lot of people and started like, looking at us like, whoa. <laughs> What's wrong with you people? <laughs> <laughs> so we had four crazy carpets. <laughs> but yeah, it didn't work. Ah. Need snow. I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, go go check out Without a Paddle. Uh, it's a pretty cool looking movie. Um, and just the scenery alone is is awesome. And just to continue on with our theme of the evening of paddling and something else. Yeah. You sent this one through hikers. So let me start with, there have not been any report sightings of sharks in the Great Lakes. This is in a news article from August 5th, 2022. And uh, because there had been reports of, and I, I remember us talking about this before on a previous episode or we maybe maybe when we weren't recording but i remember this conversation coming up but just recently somebody asked scientists and they said nope these are the facts bull sharks have not been found in the great lakes despite reports bull shark <laughs> yeah <laughs> 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 anyways yes so um so i've i've been following this couple on instagram and tiktok oh for a couple months now and so they were popping up everywhere like in my feeds and so is a lot of them like so they had some sponsors like north face and you know it, it you name it they were sponsored by it. so they did all these little training tiktoks and instagram and you know they were very active on social media so this couple they um oh, let me find my notes that's not it oh there it is it's right under the micromort 
information. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, so these two, they're Americans, uh, Renee Miller and Tim Bezinger. So they they're heavy into like you know Iron Man and triathlons. And, oh right! And so they do all kinds of races and and so so it's, basically the opposite of us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so. So they have so on TikTok and Instagram and their webpage that they're called Through Hikers, and so I never mentioned it before because I was following them, but I didn't know their plan. So I didn't know canoes were going to be involved mm-hmm. until you know five weeks ago. So uh, they, so Renee Miller, she's an engineer, and I can't remember what Tim does for a living, but professor, they, he's a professor. Yep. So they spend their winters living in Germany. That's where they have their work. They're Americans, but uh, so they 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 did the the PCT and the you know they do all of these uh, through hikes, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they were looking for something new, and so they created their own route. So it's basically they they call it the Pacific Northwest Circuit, and their plan was to was to it was a it was. To a two-part adventure. So they started in uh, uh, Olympic National Park on the Pacific Ocean, and then they headed east along the Pacific Northwest Trail, the Washington, Idaho, Montana, Glacier National Park, crossed into Canada. They uh, they followed the Great Divide Trail, which is about 300 miles heading north, and then the Great Divide Trail, is, is, which is then they move into Canada, which is Canada's continuation of the Continental Divide. So the Great Divide is the Canada side of the Great Divide Trail. Yeah, the, the Continental Divide is the one that goes from the Mexican-U.S. Yeah, border yeah. up. They did that one in 2021. Yeah, it was like 3,000 miles. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> it's a lot of walking. Um, so then they uh, left the Great Divide Trail, headed west into Columbia Lake, and Columbia Lake is the headwaters of the Columbia River. So uh, the Columbia River travels through Canada, and it uh, ends up on the Pacific Ocean near... Uh, Vancouver, Washington, and, and areas south like that. South of Seattle, isn't it? Yeah, south of yeah. Seattle. So they, uh, it, the whole trip, it, it was about 2,700 miles, and they thought they were going to take four months to do it. They did it in 106 days. So they did Source to Sea on the Columbia River. They, uh, so and <laughs> when they were trying to plan this route, they wanted to do something different. And uh, so Tim had built a cedar strip canoe a couple years ago, and he's like, well, we should create this loop, and I get to use my canoe that I built. <laughs> so so they, uh, that, that's exactly what they did. So it was about 1,500 miles of hiking, through hiking, and then about 1,200 miles of paddling down the Columbia River. And uh, so the, neither of them had done a trip longer than a week before. I think I don't think I've done anything more than two weeks. I don't. I've never been paddling for more than two weeks before. But so this is cool. This is uh, this is quite the trip. And and so imagine. So on the Columbia River, source to sea, there's I think like thirteen hydroelectric dams, mm-hmm. which they would have to portage around. And there was, you know, they came across all kinds of animals, bears and Canadian lynx, Canadian, lynx. Yep. Canadian lynx and, uh, and eagles and you name it. So they came across lots of animals, but, uh, it was really interesting watching them because I, I, I have a group of hiking buddies that we all, we, we, I was like, Hey, look at these two. Like, you know, so I was thinking of them as through hikers and then it's like, Oh, and now we're going to be in a canoe. It's like, wait, I gotta look more into these people. So, so it's, it's a really interesting route. 
quite the challenge and, the, and they go into great detail about gear and and food and dehydration dehydrating food and and you know weight loss weight gain you know the different muscles that they're using and and so it's uh the it's really interesting to go through their instagram and so on to uh to see the different parts of the route and they talk about all the first nations areas that they're passing through and they discuss you know like you know the, the what is it uh they uh they did uh, 106 days, 73 days were hiking, 33 days on the Columbia River. And uh, so this is uh, so good for you, Renee and Tim. That's uh, This is quite the challenge, quite the route. And I'm sure they're already planning. So they finished, I believe they finished around October 9th, because that's when they posted that they finished on the 9th. So I assume they they Instagrammed it the day they finished. Yeah. Um, so they're on Instagram. What? If you, they had a website there, so because on their website they had sort of a, a daily blog thing, or yes, so there's a throughhikers.co website, and the, so this is for all through hikers, but they have their own page on through hikers. So if you uh, if you Google uh, through hikers Rene and Tim, you're going to come up with uh, various news articles and uh, various through hiking websites as well as uh, you'll come across their Instagram, their TikTok and so on. So uh, you'll find it that way. If you just uh, Google through hikers Renee and Tim or Renee and Tim uh, hiked and canoed the uh, uh, whatever. And so it's, I've, I've, when I was researching for this, I, I just threw in just, I just threw in random Google stuff. So Renee and Tim, if you just look up Renee and Tim, you're going to find They're going to find them. Yeah, because it's worth uh, checking out some of their their uh, yeah. their gear suggestions and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That does sound like a pretty cool route. Yeah, fifteen hundred miles or twenty four thousand twenty four hundred kilometers. Yeah, hiking. I have troubles. Like some days, <laughs> you want to go out to the store and back? No, no, <laughs> I'm not doing no. that. I don't <laughs> want to go all the way over to Metro. <laughs> I'm going to walk five hundred meters that way. <laughs> Uh, and then canoeing twelve hundred miles or uh, nineteen hundred and thirty kilometers. And and the canoeing part. So the obviously hiking is a challenge, but uh, if you think of the Columbia River, it's a working river. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of hydroelectric dams. A lot as you get down lower, you're dealing with uh, tides and really big boats. So tankers and stuff. So the uh, the Columbia River. Uh, so it goes through near Vancouver, Washington, uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh, you know, so it's the I've been to Portland for the Portland Rose Fest. I've been to Vancouver, Washington. It's a uh, and the opening the mouth of the of the Columbia River as it enters in the ocean is rough. So it's uh, I've been through that water. It's it's pretty scary. But I don't think they like they shows them landing on a beach. But I don't know. Well, if you stick to sh- close to shore, it's not that rough. Yeah, it's where the tides meet the river, and it it gets really crazy. Yeah, once you pass that barrier, right? Yeah, I think. yeah. But if you stay close to shore, which I'm sure they did, uh, I think what I saw that one day they got they got uh, sidelined by high winds, and they had to kind of camp out on the on a rocky riverbank. But otherwise, it was pretty smooth sailing, and they uh, and they didn't, you know, they all, it, they have a couple pictures on Instagram of them like right next to a couple gigantic tankers. It's like, oh man, <laughs> small man in the pool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the boat wouldn't I'm even thinking, feel it if they ran over them. After fifteen hundred miles, <laughs> you're looking forward to sitting down hiking. in a canoe. 
<laughs> those leg muscles I know, right? are going to be awesome for any <laughs> portaging you got to do around hydroelectric yeah. dams. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. And they said, uh, so they shipped out to various points along the route for food, dehydrated food. That I, I saw one Instagram where they were showing how light their packs were. It was crazy light. So you're talking like 20-pound packs. How? What did they eat? Dehydrated. Air? They had the bare minimum. There was portions of the route where they just slept under a tarp. And then when they got in higher elevations uh, to into Canada, that's when they picked up a tent. And uh, so they, they were super, super light. Basically, they, they pretty much wore the same clothes the whole time. Yeah. And uh, and so they had just very light jackets, uh, rain jackets and and toques and whatever. But for the most part, it was like they had and these ultra light backpacks that were uh, dry bags, dry bag backpacks. And so, you know, they, they could get rained on. Their stuff wouldn't get wet. Mm-hmm. They had uh, only a few pounds of electronics because they were taking video. And, and so they, you know, they had ways to charge phones and cameras. And and uh, I noticed that they used the Zaleo GPS. I assume that would be for communication, texting, and so on, because it's a really good method of communicating. So, it, but they had super light packs. It was crazy. Hmm. Good for them, though. It's like uh, yeah, that's a pretty cool uh, <laughs> route. Uh-huh. Yeah, if you go to their if you go to their page, it actually shows the route. Yes, there's a photo. Yeah, an overview, a map, and they did this the year after doing the three thousand kilometer walk. Like, how do you have well, so the, much time? Well, they on say your hands? They, they they say in their site that they have the luxury of being able to, with their jobs, yes, have the that time off, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. I don't know. Pretty nice. Must be. Yeah. I'd definitely be in for the, the paddling part. Oh, yeah. That'd be neat, eh? Yeah. Not so much the hiking part. <laughs> <laughs> you get used to it. You know what? I've looked at doing those, uh, like the Adirondack Trail and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And I'm thinking, that'd be cool to see some of that stuff. And, uh-huh. That'll last a day. I've <laughs> 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 had enough of this. See you guys in a week. Yeah. I'll drive the truck around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cancel the shuttle. Yeah. I'll just pick you up. Yeah, good route though. It, yeah. it, it was really interesting to follow along with them as they, as and like I said, I didn't even know the route. I just they kept popping up, and so gear videos, and so is life on the trail, and you know how they're sleeping at night, and or do they had do they have any encounters? They had minimal encounters with wildlife, and and no bad encounters. Good. So yeah, it's uh, it's quite the route. And it would be so they had to cross the Canada US border twice. And uh so if you're paddling down the Columbia River, there's there's not a border checkpoint on the river. So I assume you'd have to as soon as you paddle past the border, you'd have to stop in at the nearest town and say, We're in the US again, type thing, right? Be easier yeah. crossing north into Canada because you're gonna be near centers and stuff for like, you know, border patrol. But on the river it's a big river. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not sure how that would work. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to Google Maps, see if there's yeah. a building. Yeah. And... There could and very well it, be. Th- this t- kind of ties into the uh, the canoeing and snowboarding group because they did the Columbia River as well. Yeah. But they did it in January. <laughs> Take a hand, boys. Take a hand. <laughs> so, interesting. Awesome. Yeah. Cool, man. Uh, that's all I've got this week. Yeah, me too. That's it? Yeah, I covered off the shark thing. There's no sharks in the Great Lakes, so. Yeah, no sharks in the Great Lakes. That was Lakes. the only follow-up item I had. Yeah, so the, there's the canoe and pub crawl. Yes. There's the canoe and snowboarding, and there's a canoe and hiking. Yeah. 
I like the canoe and pup crawl. <laughs> I could go for that. In in nine or ten years, uh, we're going to be setting up a uh, pub crawl across Canada. So if anybody wants to join us. Yeah, we're, we'll be taking um, ooh, a go find us. Yes. <laughs> you want to join us? Yeah. You can You can join our team for a low price of. <laughs> buy us a beer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it, man. So he's got to buy us a beer. Yeah. And we'll just pull a name out of a hat. Oh, congratulations. Tonight yeah, it's yeah, your turn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> All righty. Well, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Or you can go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and you can stream or download all our episodes there. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends, family, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs>